Global Broadcasting Networks presents Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey, Military Moms, this is Sandra Beck, and Robin Boyd has the day off. Now, we're going to be visiting today with an author who wrote a book called Undoubtedly Awesome, and her name is Ann Tucker, and and she talks a lot about decision-making, leadership, personal transformation, and self-doubt, and I brought her on the show today because something has happened, you know, with technology that didn't happen in prior wars. Um you know, when my father served in, in the Korean War, my mom would wait weeks, sometimes a month for his letter. Uh, Robin Boyd's husband served in the Vietnam War. And again, it could go, you know, up to six weeks before you heard with someone. And managing doubt in those situations was very different than what we have today. We've got cell phones, we've got texting, we've got email kiosks and, and e- or email um, and computer access. So it creates a very different different dynamic when your loved one, whether it's a spouse or a child, is serving and you can't reach them because of their maneuvers, because of their, you know, whatever they're doing, they might not be able to communicate, they might not be in a cell zone, they might not be, you know, where they can get to email. So it kind of is a catch-22. It's wonderful to have this communication support, but it can cause doubt to ratchet up very quickly when you can't get a hold of the person you want to get a hold of to be assured, especially if you see something on TV, you hear something on base, and you can't reach them. And so it causes, I think, a whole different, you know, kind of like ripping off the Band-Aid again and again and again, uh, whereas we would just deal with a longer period of non-communication in the past. So I wanted to bring Ann Tucker on because she is a doubt specialist. And one of the things is... We get overrun by our fears, our doubts kick in, and one of the things that military families have to deal with that most other traditional families or cultures don't have to deal with is their spouse is gone for maybe a couple days at a time. You know, if you're married to a pilot or you're married to a salesman that travels, but in the military, we've got long, long durations of separation. So the person staying at home, holding down the home front, has a different set of conditions than most other parents. And boy, we know that parenting is nerve-wracking on a good day when our spouse is overseas and we can't reach them or we don't want to share with them the information that's going on back home because we don't want to upset or worry them. we got a mess in Maple Leaf Garden, Ann Tucker. That's really, in a nutshell, what it's like to be a military family today. (laughs) does sound challenging. It really does. (laughs) It is. It is. And, you know, doubt creeps in and makes it hard for us to function because I think what happens, I think it's cyclical. You know, we have a situation, we don't have the comfort, validation, and support of our spouse. We want to talk to them. We can't talk to them for whatever reason. And then we get this doubt creeping in of going like, you know, I can't reach them. What if they don't come home? What if they're sick? What if they're injured? Blah, 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 blah. And we start going down that 
rabbit hole, um, which is a very different condition, I think, than most executives that you've worked with. But I'm curious, do you, is this just part of the human condition and it's as exacerbated by the military culture or is it just the way we're wired? Do you know, I mean, I think there's there's two things that pop to mind for me as you're, as you're talking about this feeling and and what causes it is that there's there's the worry which i think is really hard to escape from is that what if and the fear um but then there's the doubt is what would happen as you're not simply in the in the moment you have that that feeling of ambiguity um but doubt creeps in when when it's not simply an abstract worry it is the worry accompanied with the thought of required action. It, it, when you lead to that second step of, I think this is happening, therefore, what should I do, right? When there's something that you have to do in response. So I think that there's, there's, and that's where we struggle with the doubt. Is it, is, you know, is my information correct? Is it, what is the best thing to do? What's the right thing to do? Is, you know, is there's that panic moment. Um, and I think that experience of doubt um, can happen at the you know really extreme where you are worried about the health and safety of the people that you love all the way down to the really really simple things about what should I order for lunch, right? And and it can be a, it can be varying degrees of the same feeling, but it all gets down to that ambiguity about um, what should I do? I have this question. I have the worry, right? And you can have an abstract worry, but if there's no action component to it, it is just a, it's just the worry. And there's a, that, that that obviously is painful, but it doesn't bring in the feeling, the feeling of doubt, which is when you turn inside yourself and when you start to feel like that anxiety about what do I do? Right. And that's that's one of the things that, you know, I think in some respects we get more confident in the way uh, things are are going. But in the grand scheme of things, we also get tired and we get worn out. And that's where I think fatigue plays a big part uh, in this, um, you know, in this, this, the doubt, the, the anxiety, like it all, then you add fatigue into it. And, you know, what do we do then? Yeah, you're so right. And it really is. It's like a, um, it's like you have a certain bandwidth of when, when everything is going great in your life and you have to make a decision, you have to do something, your capability of seeing that from clear eyes, of thinking it through carefully, of, of essentially doing the decision process that you have that works best for you is much higher because you have the calm, right? You have the calm to do it. But when you're under fire like that, when you're really stressed, when all of your normal coping mechanisms are, have been frayed, then what can happen is the natural process that you have, and each of us does have our own specific decision process that we like to use, that, that is the one that works for us. But when you are not at your best for a bunch of different reasons, then that process can get corrupted. It can end up where we hesitate too much, where we start seeking too much external information, or we start doubting our own internal voice. And then that process gets out of whack. And we end up either cycling through doubt at that beginning of the what should I do? We start, oh my gosh, I can't decide, I can't decide. Or we just go for it at the end, we end up in the cycle of doubt. So it hits you at the beginning or the end. And that depends on specifically you and how you make decisions. But but it does, it's, it's, that it's because of the fact that you are so under so much pressure or not at your best that it, it really can make more of your decisions have a much higher level of anxiety and doubt. 
It does. It does. And I'd like to I'd like to segue away for a minute uh, just for a second. And I'd like to talk about uh, Madison Reed and I'd like to thank Madison Reed for sponsoring our show today. And Madison Reed is a company that's revolutionizing the way all women color their hair, a company the founder, Amy Arrett, named after her daughter. For decades, women have had two options, outdated at-home hair color or the time and expense of a salon. Amy created Madison Reed because she believes women deserve better than the status quo. Madison Reed is the ultimate hair color hack. It's got the quality of salon color, the convenience and affordability of at-home hair color, and an ammonia-free formula with ingredients you can feel good about. Experience beautiful multi-dimensional hair color made in Italy, delivered to your door on your schedule for under $25. I love my Madison Reed color because my hair looks great and the color is supernatural. Because, see, I want people to come up to me and say I have gorgeous hair or that I look good, not ask about my stylist or who did my hair. I want to be a natural beauty. And Madison Reed gives me that salon look without the salon price or salon time commitment. And, you know, as a soul-supporting single mom with two middle school-age kids, yeah, cost is a consideration. But more importantly, I don't have the time to blow three hours at a salon plus travel time. What single mom does? So join the hundreds and thousands of women who have tried and loved Madison Reed. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com. Madison Reed would like to honor our Military Mom Talk listeners today with 10% off free shipping on your first color kit by using promo code MILITARYMOM at checkout. That's madison-reed.com, promo code MILITARYMOM. I really love my Madison Reed hair color, and you will too. Now, we're back with Ann Tucker, and we're talking about doubt. We're talking about how we manage doubt, how we manage anxiety. Ann, are there different personality types for managing doubt? Like, are some of us better at managing it? Or you call them soul types, but are they? Are some of us better at managing things than others? Do you know that there's, you're right, that there's, there are, and in my book, I talk about seven different soul types. And, and what the soul type tells you, when you understand what your soul type is, and before I mentioned that each of us has our own way of making choices, and that way is described by your soul type. It's how you think and solve problems. And each of us, each soul type is vulnerable to doubt in a particular way. So some soul types are more vulnerable at the beginning of a decision. Some soul types are more vulnerable at the end of a decision or under certain circumstances, right? So it depends. So your particular vulnerability, um, by understanding what your soul type is, it can point it out and say, okay, here's where doubt is most likely to get you and here's how you end up there. Here's her, Here's where in your process things break down. Um, but so it is, so there, it isn't so much that there's one soul type that is um, gonna be feeling more doubt all the time. Um, the one exception to that, I would say, is there are some soul types that have a harder time um, on the uh, uh, that that maybe are have a harder time um, telling the difference or seeing. They might see the best in all things, and so they have a harder time parsing out which is you know which one to choose on the front end. There's some that are a little bit more inclined to feel regret. So there's some places you could say, well, this soul type has a tougher time under these circumstances, but. At the end of the day, we all have the potential to feel great about our choices. Well, and that's something that is such a big deal about feeling good. When we feel good, what happens to our bodies in making decisions? Oh, my gosh. It's, it, is, it is the difference. The feeling great about your choices is the difference. And, and 
here's the thing is that when we doubt our choices, if you think of yourself, you think, okay, what you think is essentially your energy, right? It's what you're putting out into the world and it's creating your reality. So if what you're thinking about, if you're, if you have an idea, if you have a thing you're going to try to do, but you're doubting it, that energy you have, that thought energy, creative energy, whatever you're putting out towards the thing you're trying to create, you're not putting it all in one direction. You're not fully behind the thing you're trying We've to We've got lots more ahead. Stay with us on Military Mom Talk Radio. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. To lose weight, we know that each day we need to burn more calories than we take in through eating and exercise burns more calories. According to Discovery Health, a 150-pound person will burn about 60 calories while taking a one-hour nap. One hour of sitting and watching television burns about the same. But if that 150-pound person takes a one-hour brisk walk, then say goodbye to more than 250 calories. Cardio exercise like running, biking, swimming, and brisk walking are the best modes of exercise to burn the highest amount of calories and will get the endorphins flowing in your body. Those feel-good neurotransmitters boost your mood naturally. So use exercise to burn calories, lose weight, and to feel good. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. It's words you never heard. Got a lead foot? According to state troopers, here's what not to do when you get pulled over. Don't be a lachrymist and start crying right away. It doesn't help. But if you're under 20, crying won't be held against you. Don't ask for a break. Don't yell or start any argy-bargy. And one trooper said, if they're going to flirt with me to get out of a ticket, it would probably insult my intelligence. But unfortunately, I don't get hit on all that often. So flirting or being a gill flirt won't work. Did you know that 15% of all drivers get 76% of all traffic tickets? And the odds of winning if you challenge a traffic ticket in court are 1 in 3. So what should you do when you get pulled over for speeding? courteous to the officer, and most of all, be honest. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word. We're back with more great conversation on Military Mom Talk Radio. Hey, Military Moms, this is Sandra Beck, and Robin has the day off, and we're visiting with Ann Tucker. And before we went to break, we were talking about why it's so important to feel good about the decisions uh, we make and how to get into this flow or go with the flow, you know, and how do we know, like, why is it so important to feel good and, and what does it mean to go in the flow? So the critical thing about when you feel good, and we were talking about this before the break, is that when you're feeling good about something, when, you know, when you're when you're doubting something, you're pulling back some of that energy that you use to sort of create the reality that you want for yourself, and you're spreading it in a bunch of different directions, right? Every time you have that that feeling of doubt, you can feel it in yourself rather than feeling full of energy that you're going to go out and make life happen for yourself. Instead, you feel like you've got one foot going forward and and the other foot heading in a different direction and another arm pulling you back in another direction, right? You're scattered. Your energy is pushed out all over the place. And when instead you feel really good about what you've chosen, when you feel like you're doing the right thing, when you feel confident, all of that energy that you have 
towards the thing you're choosing, all of it goes forward. It goes in the same direction as what you're choosing. So at the end of the day, how you feel about your choice has a huge impact on whether or not the thing you choose is successful. So it's a crazy thing. A lot of us get really wrapped around the axle about, am I picking the right thing? Am I making the right choice? Am I doing the right thing, right? Am I doing the right thing for my kids? Am I doing the right thing for my family? And at the end of the day, it has a whole lot less to do with what you choose and a whole lot more to do with how you feel, how you choose it, the process that you're using to choose it. Are you putting all your energy towards that? And that feeling, that direction of your energy is what's going to determine whether or not it works. So it's, it's and, and when it is working, what ends up happening, when all your energy is going towards it, you can experience this feeling of flow. It becomes self-reinforcing where, um, you know, when you feel like everything is on your side or everything is working with you. So when you go to the store, you get the front parking spot. When you're standing, you're driving and you hit every green light. When the person that you need that's going to help you happens to show up right next to you. You know, it's when everything feels like it's working in your favor. There's less friction in your life. And this all comes from our own emotions. It comes from how we're feeling. So when you're stuck in that cycle of doubt, it becomes really important to think, okay, how can I get to a place where I'm feeling good, where I'm, I'm going to really trust and have confidence in, in a choice that I'm making, put all my energy behind it, and give it the best possible chance it has to succeed? So our emotions, how we feel about things, can influence the outcome? It has a, a huge, huge impact. Yeah. And it really is. It's about, you know, where does your reality come from? It comes from your thoughts, your feelings, what you're creating in your life. So if you think about when you go out into the world and you go into a store and if you're in a terrible mood, right, and you interact with the salesperson behind the register, you might have a really, you come away thinking that was a really negative interaction, right? I feel bad. I feel worse. Whereas if you come in feeling great, Think about what that does. You have a totally different reality. You come in, you're, she's smiling at you, you're smiling, you find out you have kids the same age. It's a really different experience. So same exact thing happened. It's just you have two different perceptions of what's real. And it all is because of how you feel. Your feelings end up creating reality on, on multiple different levels. So when it comes to when you're creating in the world, when you're making a decision and the decision is the key thing, your decision is like a a prism, if you can imagine, like think of like a laser, how all the light, when you're trying to create a laser, they push all the light down into this one little prism and that prism focuses it and pushes it out like a laser in one direction. Your decisions act the same way. It takes all of your creative energy, right? Everything that you can do to affect the world and it pushes it down into one little prism and it focuses like a laser beam in the direction of the thing that you want to accomplish. So when you're feeling great about your decision, that's what's happening. You're focusing that creative energy. Whereas when you're feeling bad about what you chose, or you're not sure, or you're doubting yourself, you're going through cycles. Maybe you've chosen something, but you're still looking at other options, or you're you're um, you know keeping sort of a plan B, kind of leaning out of your decision. You're pulling your energy away from what you're choosing, pulling your emotions, your feelings, your trust, your belief away from it, and that's not supporting your choice. So it's not it's not going to succeed as well. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So what do you suggest, um, you know, what so what do you, what you just suggest we do? You know, if you're nervous about a decision, you can't just, or can you just say, all right, I'm going to make this decision and support it. Yeah, it's tough because what do you do if you're in that cycle of doubt and you're feeling bad? It's It's very hard to think about how can I get out of this feeling? It feels impossible. And the reason for that is because of the nature of emotions. Emotions, 
emotions are funny. They only exist in the now, like right now. Like it's very hard for your emotions to feel the past or to feel the future. That I call it the eternal now, because what you're feeling in this moment, it feels like you're going to feel that way forever. So if you can imagine, imagine a time where, say, for example, you've had a really long day and it's been crazy, crazy busy and you're finally home and you're sitting on the sofa and you put your sweats on and the last thing you want to do is to get up, right? You're just exhausted. And at the same time, maybe you've made a commitment for that night. You're supposed to go to a barbecue with friends or whatever. And the last thing you want to do is go. And you just imagine going, you think, oh God, it sounds terrible. But you get yourself up and you go to the party. And once you get there, you have a fantastic time and you can't imagine being home on the sofa, right? He's like, oh, I'm so glad I came. I can't imagine how bummed I'd be if I missed this and I was home on the sofa. And we've all had that experience. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. And it's because your feelings, your emotions can't project into the future. So whatever you're feeling, if if you're stuck in doubt right now, it's really hard to imagine not feeling that way. It feels impossible. It feels like, oh my gosh, I'm stuck in this. Boy, that sounds really optimistic for somebody else, but that can't apply to me because I feel terrible. Well, the truth is, is that you feel terrible right now, but it's not permanent. It's very hard to imagine feeling otherwise, but it's as easy as snapping your fingers. It can happen in an instant. So it's possible. That's the first thing is to embrace the idea that it is possible, not only possible, but, but not hard, almost easy to change how you feel. And the second thing to do is to look at, okay, what are some practical things I can do to change how you feel? The thing that causes that feeling of doubt to creep in is ambiguity, is not knowing. It's all the things we don't understand, right? And that's why fear plays such a big role, is that when we don't know what to do, and that ambiguity grows and grows, and we start to feel like the area that we do know, the things we have certainty over, gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and it becomes really hard. To, to, to feel confident about what you're choosing. Well, it's almost like a virus or a cold. You know, you can feel it coming on. I know I can because I yeah. start to get nervous. Like I start to get like anxious or, you know, I feel unsettled. Like I'm trying to cook and I can't calm down or I'm trying to sleep and I can't calm down. And, you know, then that comes on and it's it almost can become like a full-born cold, you know, where you feel it yeah. coming on. And then I start doubting everything. And mine is always the same. It's like, oh my gosh, this bill is due. What if I can't pay this bill? Well, if I can't pay this bill, you know, well, how does that qualify me to raise children as if anything has one thing to do with another? And then, you know, and then I go to work and I'm like, now I'm a crappy employee or I'm a crappy company (laughs) owner. You know, you just spiral down this rabbit hole. And it, a lot of times it starts, I think when I'm really tired, like I think one of the things is when I'm really tired and I haven't slept or I haven't eaten, those are like, I'm like a baby. Like, you know, when a baby cries, you look to see if they're wet, are they hot, they cold, they tired, you know, they need to eat. I kind of do that same checklist for myself because when I start to feel like I'm doubting myself or I start feeling that anxiety coming on, I go, okay, have Mm -hmm. I eaten? Do I need to sleep or take a nap? You know, am I thirsty? Am I too hot or too cold? I mean, I'm just like a baby. I just don't have the diaper change. (laughs) Burp yourself, right. (laughs) Right, but but those things, like, you know, when we talk about this stuff, I don't know which comes first, the chicken or the egg, like our bodies are worn out and then the thoughts hit or the thoughts hit and it wears our body out. Like, I don't really care at this point. I just care that the red flag has to go up for me. And I know sometimes if I take a bath, take a nap, take a walk, you know, do something to kind of break that, that worry state. Yeah. Um, 
it, that helps me. What, what kind of advice do you have for our moms who are experiencing this? And it's worse when it's in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh. Yes. Do you know, there's, I mean, there's, there's two different ways to come at it. And what you're talking about in terms of handling that doing something physically is a, it's a great strategy. It's just, what can you do to clear your energy? Cause when you're worried like that, what it does is it creates all this sort of energetic buzz in your system. And what can you do to clear that out? And for some people, it means feed your brain. A little glucose goes a long way. Eat something, eat a little sugar. <laughs> I hate to say that, but a little sugar can help your brain think. Um, and you know, maybe you need to relax. So taking a walk out in nature is hugely helpful. So the physical things that, that helps you to, you want to just, you know, get your body to relax a little bit so that you can start to flow a little bit. I actually use this awesome, um, energy routine that I learned from Donna Eden and she has it. It's, it's all over the internet. If you Google it, Donna Eden's, uh, daily energy routine, it takes like two minutes, but it, it seems to take all the, the anxiety out when you do it. It's kind of like a mixture of tapping and Tai Chi, if you can imagine. So you might want to do it privately in your home. Oh, <laughs> so it's right on YouTube. Weird. <laughs> so right on YouTube, go to Donna Eden, E-D-E-N-S, daily yeah. energy routine. Now we've got only a couple minutes before break, but go ahead and describe it. And, um, you know, then we'll, and it's, a, she's got a 10 minute video and then a two minute video. So will you say do the two minute? Yeah, that well, the the longer videos, she usually tells you what the different movements do, and you want to get a more recent version because she's changed the routine over time. Um, but it's a way that you can do energy work on yourself. So it's it's something I I do this literally every day, and it I since I started doing it, I I never get colds. It's amazing. It it just seems to sort of clear you out and keep you humming. So then the more more often you do it, the better you feel. But it's really great for helping to calm down when you're feeling. Um, feeling that feeling the jitters, feeling nervous, feeling doubt. It's it's one half of the equation. The physical stuff is definitely a part. We can talk about the emotional stuff uh, after the break. But I, I definitely recommend Donna's routine. It's kind of awesome. Well, and what I like about it is you're talking about using your own movement, you know, your own energy, your own breath, whatever it is. And, you know, we're not eating. We're not, you know, one of the things that happens so much when, you know, it's like the the, the deployment weight gain or the yes. um, transition weight gain. You PCS to a new place and you're frustrated and you're tired and you eat your feelings. And mm-hmm. it's not all of us are journalers. You know, so many times in my life, people are like, sit down and write it, sit down and write it. And what's funny <laughs> is I'm a writer, but when I sit down to try to write my feelings I just want to carve like f you or s you know some awful word you know (laughs) into the into the paper I don't want to sit there and go I feel this and this is why I blah 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 like I I have a hard time with that I'm a writer and I can't write in a journal like that so you know there's it's nice to have other things and you know we're giving people another alternative rather than eating or drinking or you know using some sort of you know um legal or illegal substance to help us calm down i mean we know these are problems in military families all over the board in dealing with this so we're giving you an alternative we're visiting today with ann tucker undoubtedly awesome you're going to want to get a copy of her book it's really good when we come back from the break we're going to talk a little bit more about the emotional component of all this. We've got lots more ahead. Stay with us on Military Mom Talk Radio.
Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com. While my family was skiing in Colorado, we were greeted by a red fox that darted out of the trees. This beautiful animal with his big bushy tail just stood in the snow and stared right at us. Maybe he smelled all the loverwort we had in our pockets. Loverwort is another word for junk and snack food. Typically, a red fox eats scrub and woodland, but this one appeared to have had his share of hamburgers and hot dogs from the chalet grill. Foxes are similar to dogs, except they are not pack animals. The female fox, or vixen, typically gives birth to a litter of 2 to 12 pups. When they are young, they all live together as a family, known as a leash of foxes. Once grown, the young foxes leave the burrow and go out to live on their own. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with more great conversation on Military Mom Talk Radio. Hey, Military Moms, this is Sandra Beck, and Robin Boyd has the day off, and we're visiting with Ann Tucker, author of Undoubtedly Awesome, and we're talking about, you know, the the funky term is like energy management, but really, you know, we're talking about how do we get through our day without stuffing our face full of brownies, drinking a bottle of wine, or, you know, doing even worse um, for ourselves. We've got some options here, and before we went to break, Ann talked about, she does Donna Eden, and you spell her name Donna, D-O-N-N. A last name Eden E D N I'm sorry E D E N and oh. she's of Eden Energy Medicine and she's got this like daily routine some movements that she uh, teaches in this video so check it out I mean 1.2 million can't be wrong um, and <laughs> and um, but and I want to know what it looks like tastes like feels like like do you do this when you get up in the morning do you do it after you go to or before you go to bed at night like do you do it in your PJs do you have breakfast First, tell us what works for you so that we can try it and see if it works for us. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know, it is, um, uh, I've gotten really good at it. So I can, I can go through the whole routine in two minutes, easy. Um, And, but I, I, there's a, there's, especially once you start looking at, at a lot of this sort of personal growth stuff, there's a lot of like, okay, do this 10 minutes in the morning and do this five minutes in the morning. And my mornings are crazy. I don't know about you, but my mornings are really busy. So I tend to. Um, I end up doing this during the day as I need it. I use it like I'm feeling tired. Okay, I'm going to do the, I've done this in public bathrooms. <laughs> I've done it at airports in the bathroom. Bathrooms are a great place to do this. <laughs> There's no yes, looking they at are. You. Sometimes <laughs> it's the only place I have peace and quiet from my kids. That's exactly right. So, but it's, you know, I'll do it in my office because it's, it's really simple. It, it doesn't take um, uh, a lot of space. It, it starts out with, um, you do essentially what we call tapping. You've probably heard of tapping. It's using some aspects of like Chinese medicine where you have, they have these meridians where your energy travels along in your body and tapping just gets the energy moving in those places. So she starts out, you, you tap in four different places and she'll tell you as she's going through it, what these different things do. 
And by the way, Donna Eden, just so you know, she is like one of the great founders of the whole energy healing movement in the U.S. She's the real deal. And she's probably the most enthusiastic person you will ever see in your life. So be prepared for that. But <laughs> but she so she starts out with tapping and that's sort of to get things unblocked and moving. And then she moves into um, the idea is to get your energy crossing across your body. Apparently, as we go through our day, you know, you've got the left side of your body and the right side of your body. And it's just like left brain and right brain where your right side, you know, right brain is the creative one. Your left one is the mathematical, logical one. Well, during the day and as you're exposed to stress and as you're as you know, as you're dealing with the just the daily frustrations of life, your energy can kind of start getting stuck on each side of your body. It stops crossing. So she goes through a bunch of physical movements to start getting that energy to cross back over. So moving your hands across your body in certain patterns and and uh, and then moving your body in certain patterns. But it doesn't take a big footprint. Um, then she has you sit for a moment. You kind of lift your legs up a little bit. And then it's and it doesn't take any like you could do this even if you had a broken leg, if you had an injured arm. You do, it doesn't take any kind of amazing yoga ability at all. Anyone can do it. Um, and then it's just different hand. You're kind of moving your hands along your head in poof, you're done. So it's, it's, it's easy. Um, but like I said, I use it. I notice that I think of it in moments when either when I'm tired, when I get that afternoon lag and I just need a little energy and it makes all the difference. Um, or I'll use it if I'm stressed or I'm feeling nervous or feeling, feeling doubt, I'll use it. And it just helps to get things moving and it clears my head. It's amazing. When I, when I bring this, if I'm teaching a workshop or working with people, I'll start, I'll show one person and pretty soon I've got four or five, six people over wanting to learn this. And it, it's amazing how much it resonates for people, but it's because it really helps. It does. I can imagine. I mean, I have certain things that I do before I go and reach for my like bottle of straight caffeine or, you know, mainline yeah. energy drinks. I mean, as moms, I mean, we do what we need to do to get through the day. And, you know, it's interesting because down the street is an Air Force friend, mom of mine, and she has four boys all with celiac. And so cooking mm -hmm. is a nightmare for her. And they're, they range in ages from four to 17. So she's got her hands full. And then yeah. my army family down the street, uh, you know, there are two friends of mine. She has just recovering from breast cancer um, and, you know, a year and a half of chemotherapy. She has twins and a preteen daughter. So, you know, moms yeah. have like we just have crazy demands put on us and we're not inexhaustible resources and we, we yeah. have to do something other than sugar, caffeine, you know, some of my friends use diet pills. I mean, I've used diet pills yeah. to just because of the energy boost, you know, they, yeah. they call it a metabolism boost, but I'll tell you, if you cannot get up and drive your kids to one more soccer game and run around, <laughs> I mean, these are the things that, that. I have done and moms report to me just to stay awake and alert, especially if you're up with a baby all night. Yes. Yeah. And there's no backup. There's nobody to help you out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, another thing is if they, if, if somebody tries this and likes it, I've done it with my kids. I taught my kids how to do it and it's, it, you know, it's, it helps them too. So it's, it's, uh, you can incorporate it and, and, and maybe help 
family get along even better, make the car rides a little smoother, <laughs> do a little energy work first. Well, and imagine if, you know, like I look at some of these things, because, you know, sometimes we get into these areas that, you know, for a long time, the military didn't recognize yoga as treatment for PTSD. And a lot of the yoga yeah. experts that I've had on are like, you know, it really helps, you know, it really helps. And, you know, I've seen it really help. And so, you know, we look at some of these things that are thousands of thousands a year old that predate, yeah. you know, the pharmaceutical companies and there's you know a time and place for you know better living through chemistry so i'm not discounting pharmaceuticals at all um but when we are stuck somewhere like on the freeway or we're stuck somewhere in a traffic jam or we're like lately they've been paving the the street outside of the school and why they can't put the pavers just to the side for the 15 minutes it takes 600 <laughs> families to get in and out to pick oh up their kids gosh. 45 minutes the other day just for me to get oh. into the school get my kid and you know people are ringing the phone off the hook in the school because they're like, look, I'm here in line. Cause you know, you get in trouble if you don't pick up your kid on time. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like, this is, this is reality. This is our life. And so if we have some of these alternatives, we can help our feelings, our feelings about things. And, you yeah. know, I want to talk to you about feelings because I've done a lot of study on feelings because after my divorce and being married to the person I was married with, who was very high conflict, I shut off my feelings and I had to learn how to turn my feelings back on. I couldn't even identify them. I had like two speeds. I was like, I was either happy or I was mad. And like sometimes I was mad and I was sad at the same time, but I couldn't tell the difference, you know? Yeah. And it, one of the things that, that uh, my therapist had me do was look at this chart and she's like, this is what we use with children. You point on the face that best expresses your feeling. <laughs> like there is a difference between like angry and mad and sad and frustrated. Um, yeah. But I had a hard time identifying them. And I think most women who go into that can do mode, you know, mm -hmm. we got to take mm -hmm. care of our kids. We got to take care of everything. So we squash stuff or ignore or eat our feelings yes. because there isn't a place for them. And I'll be honest, when you are a single mom, when your spouse is on deployment and you've got kids that need to get stuff done, you don't get the luxury of falling apart. You don't get the luxury of taking an hour to go talk to your therapist while your nanny watches the kids. I mean, that's the stuff of television, not of real life, especially for the military family. So what do you yeah. do? Yeah. Yeah. That I think that, 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 uh, you know, the, the reality of life and how it kind of creeps up on you and you don't have any time to yourself and what can you do? You know, I think, I mean, I think we were, we were talking about, um, you know, what do you do with, you got these sort of these physical solutions, things you can do to kind of work with your own energy. But then there's also the approach of what do we do in terms of our thinking, right? How do we control our thinking? Um, and that, you know, those sort of worry chains that we go down. And, and I think part of that is, you know, what you're saying is that when you feel like you're, when it's all up to you, when you're all on your own and there's nobody else to turn to and that, that feeling of like, okay, my feelings are, I can't, I can't afford to have feelings, right? I have to just buck up and, and do this by myself. Um, and that can, that can have a bunch of effects on you, right? For someone like you, it might mean that you just charge ahead and you do it as fast as you can and you worry later. You know, for other people, they might find that they feel sort of paralyzed and they, you know, they have a really hard time and it makes them, takes them more time to do things because they're not sure what to do or they never feel confident about what they're choosing. And that, oh God, talk about the added emotional baggage, the emotional weight of that, 
of doubting yourself, how much harder it makes it when you are on your own, if you're not sure about what you're doing. Um, and, you know, and the way to come at that mentally is to think about where the doubt comes from. And, and doubt comes from ambiguity. It comes from that, the not knowing from not and feeling like you feeling like you, you don't have the answers you need to make a good choice. And here's a funny thing about that is that in any decision that you make, it's almost never that you know everything there is to know about making the decision. So if you think about, um, you know, if you had to go buy a new set of pans at the store, say you're buying a new pan and you're looking at two different pans and you don't know everything there is to know about the pan. There's no way that you can. You can't, you don't know who made it, right? You don't know really what factory it came from. You don't actually know what that coating in there is made of. You can't possibly know everything there is to know. Um, and so, in effect, in any decision that you make, there's actually an infinite amount of ambiguity. But for some reason, we make some decisions just fine, right? Some of them you choose, you can choose those pan, the pan that you want, no problem, it's easy peasy. And then other ones, you struggle. But the truth is, is that there's an equal amount of ambiguity in all of the choices. So why is it that some of them we feel great about and some of them we feel really bad about? And it's because of what we do with the ambiguity and how we interact with it. So, so when you're facing a decision, you have the, the way this into that we process ambiguity is we have this thing in our mind. It's like a thinking tool that we use and you can call it comparison. I call it your difference engine. It's like you have a little motor in your head that can tell the difference between things. So when you're looking at two pans, rather than looking at, at which one of these two pans, you know, what do I have to know every single thing about it? Do I have to really understand what this pan is made of and how it conducts heat and all these things? Rather than doing that, you're going to just look at the two and you're going to say what's different about them, right? It's just two. And you can just look for the differences and you can say, well, this one is red and that one is gray and I like red better. This one is slightly bigger and the other one's a little smaller. And well, that was the right size. The bigger size is better for me. So you're looking at, at observable differences that you can see and you're just looking at rather than looking at all the information in the world. You're just looking at the differences between two, three. So you've taken two things. So you've taken this huge amount of ambiguity, of crazy ambiguity that would be impossible to manage, and you've narrowed it down to this tiny little, very digestible problem, which is which is better between these two items, right? From observable differences. And your difference engine does this for you. It likes to do it. It does it all the time. Like your constantly comparison is how we understand our world. Right? We understand if we're doing well by comparing ourselves to how we were yesterday or comparing ourselves to other people who are doing the same thing. We understand you know, is, is, if something is working or not working based on, on comparing it to other results. So it's, everything is, is comparison. It's how we learn, how we understand things. So your brain wants to do this for you. That's so amazing. It's such great advice. We're going to come back from the break and we're going to talk a little bit more about some of these things we can do in managing our emotions. We're here with Ann Tucker of Undoubtedly Awesome. We'll be back after the break. We'd love to hear from you. Check us out at militarymomtalkradio.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Our shows are available on iTunes anytime from 0 hundred hours to 2359. For now, stay right where you are. There's more Military Mom Talk Radio after these messages. Welcome to Geraldine Tegelove Live, the show that shares with you the secrets of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding your life. Having pulled herself from the rubble of financial ruin and having gone on to create a highly successful career, Geraldine has become an expert 
in the art of transformation. She believes that it doesn't matter where you are right now, how overwhelmed you feel, or how impossible the task of turning your life around may seem. You can do it. Stay tuned as metaphysician, international best-selling author, and intuitive Geraldine Tegelov gives you the inner understanding and the outer practical how-to to create your amazing life. Gain a fresh perspective on how to redefine, reinvent, and rebuild your life. Join Geraldine Tegelov live every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Toginet Radio Network. some fun facts about noses and ears I'll bet you didn't know. Did you know your ears secrete more earwax when you're afraid than when you aren't? And generally, people with asthma have better hearing than those who don't. Now, here's a word for you. When someone gets their ears pierced, they're actually piercing their pinna. The pinna is the fleshy part of the earlobe. Did you know it's possible to sneeze so hard you can break a rib? That happened to my husband's secretary once. And according to research, you'll blow your nose 250 times this year. Scientists have also determined that the smell in your right nostril is more pleasant, while the smell in your left nostril is more accurate. By the way, twice as many men as women can wiggle their ears. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with more great conversation on Military Mom Talk Radio. Hey, Military Moms, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Ann Tucker at UndoubtedlyAwesome.com. And Ann, when we were talking about emotions and what we can do about it, I know we had to go to commercial break, but I'd like to give you a little bit more time to talk about, you know, what are some other ways women can help handle their emotions. We talked about journaling. I like to run it out, punch it out, cry it out, walk it out if I can. Um, But what other options are there for us in the management of our emotions? Yeah, well, you know, we were talking a lot about ambiguity and about how the big challenge is that we get overwhelmed, right, with so many choices and that we end up in this sort of, uh, there's, you know, too many things, there's too much ambiguity and there's no way that you can understand all of it. Um, and so I was talking about, well, when you when you narrow it down to just the difference between two things, how much easier that is, how much simpler that decision feels. It feels like it's something that you can get your arms around up. So how do you take that feeling and make it apply to the things that are making that are hard for you? How do you take that same feeling of like, oh, I can I can wrap my arms around this problem and it's not so hard anymore? Um, and one of the things that you can do is is you're is you're heading into a decision or you're heading into a problem that you have to solve is to be really, really mindful of how many options you're letting yourself consider. <laughs> is that is that once you get it down to your top, you know, three to five things that are really possibilities, never consider more than that. Right? Just limit the number of things you're allowing to come into your attention field. And that means sometimes that means stop getting advice from other people, stop getting other people's input, narrow the number of things that you're going to allow yourself to consider. And that can really allow yourself to to cut out a lot of the ambiguity. If we if we end up getting too many choices to and that can be input from different people, too much advice, you know, looking at eight, nine, ten different options or different ways to go. 
you end up getting choice fatigue where you don't even know what you like best. There may be one option that you like best to begin with or that you thought was the right thing. But by the time you've considered number 10, going back to that number one again, it's like hearing a joke for the fifth time and all the things you loved about it just don't sound exciting anymore. So it becomes more and more and more and more confusing. So if you can stop that process by being really disciplined about saying, okay, what is the problem I'm trying to solve here? Only solve that one problem. Don't get distracted by, oh, I should also get one that can do these 10 other things. Nope, stay focused on the problem. Only allow yourself to choose between a few limited options. And, and if you do that, you allow your difference engine to kick in and it'll show you, here's what's best about these options. And it allows you to pick in that nice, simple way rather than feeling overwhelmed by everything. It makes you less aware of all the things that you don't know. Well, and the funny thing is, is like nothing changed. All that changed was what we were thinking about in our heads. Like we did this to ourselves. This isn't yeah. some great, you know, influence because we saw something on TV and it gave us, you know, new information. This is our own like mind playing tricks on us. This is our own like we can stop this. We can stop this by saying, okay, here's the two decisions. Here's the two choices. This is why I chose this. And then when it comes into that ruminating or self-judgment, self-doubt, all this stuff, you just say, stop, like stop yeah. it, stop it, stop it. And, you know, move on to something else. And I will tell you, I was a great ruminator. I used to ruminate something terrible and I stopped it by just saying stop. And I got better at it. And each time it would come back, I'd say, stop, stop it, stop mm -hmm. it, stop mm -hmm. it. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and it took a while, but you do get better at, um, you do get better at this than, you know, when you're, when you're first starting, it's, it feels a little stupid. Um, and, and I felt dumb. I'm like, you know, what am I like, why am I talking to myself this way? But then I realized like there's our mind, our thinking mind. And then there's that other like monkey mind or chatterbox or whatever yeah. it is. There's like two things going on in there and everybody has it. Doesn't mean you're crazy. Yeah. Um, and that, that crazy mind is the one that can tell us today it's a good idea, tomorrow it's a bad idea. And then then the next day it's a good idea. And then the following day it's a bad idea. So that monkey mind or that chatter mind that, that gets involved in what we're doing on our day-to-day -day basis is really just a jerk. Like you would never yeah. listen to your friend <laughs> if I said to you, Anne, hey, your hair looks good today. And then tomorrow, hey, your Anne, you need to color your hair. It looks a little ashy. And then the next day, wow, Anne, your color looks great. And then Thursday, hey, your your color is too red in your hair. You would look at me like I'm a friggin' lunatic. <laughs> it's so true. And it's really funny. We do it, we do it to ourselves, but we wouldn't allow someone else to do it to us. But we are so mean to ourselves. And, and here's the funny thing is that, you know, I think we are mean to ourselves in that we assume that in any choice that we walk into, that there's going to be one right answer. You know, we think that there's going to be the correct answer. And then if we pick the wrong answer, then that means that we weren't smart enough or careful enough or thoughtful enough or whatever it is that we weren't good enough. Right. So we really beat ourselves up if we don't pick the right answer. But the, the truth is, is that, you know, if you've only considered three, five options, you know, you've narrowed it down to a few options, any one of those is going to be a good choice. And no matter what you do, any choice that you choose is going to have good and bad things about it, right? They're all, it's just nature. Everything has strengths and weaknesses is how it works. So any anything you choose is going to have good things and bad things about it. So any one of the things that you choose 
will work equally well. And the thing that makes the difference as to whether or not one is going to be a great choice is going to be how much you commit to that choice, right? How confident you feel, how much of your energy you're putting behind that choice. So it has a whole lot less to do with what you choose and a whole lot more to do with how you choose it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is about kind of managing your own mind and managing your own emotions. And I think, you know, when I first got awareness that I wasn't my emotions and then I had a radio show with somebody and I, I never wrote down their name. And I've cited them hundreds of times, so I apologize to the universe for not remembering this person's <laughs> name. But this person said, particularly women, their emotions can change every 30 minutes about a certain subject. So yeah. I can ask you right now, you know, what did you think of last night's episode? And then 30 minutes later, ask you the same question and you'll give me a different answer. And this is just <laughs> something that's true to the nature of women. And we can like something and then 30 minutes later, think ourselves into hating it. And then 30 <laughs> minutes later after that, and you know, this psychologist, you know, who again, name remains nameless because I can't remember her name I have never forgotten that like you can go full circle she said in 90 minutes loving something hating it 30 minutes later considering it 45 minutes later you know 60 minutes loving it and then by 90 (laughs) minutes coming back full circle to hating it and never have uttered a word to another human being read a book looked it up online this is all just in our thought processes and you laugh because there's some truth to it yeah, it's really true. It's really true. We, and I think I think it's that process of beating ourselves up. I do. I think it's questioning ourselves. I think it's, you know, it's it's working through and re going through that process of decision making. You know, and I think I think there's, you know, we talked a little bit about about narrowing down your options. And that's a key thing in terms of of trying to make the process simpler. But in terms of preventing that circle, the circle thought, the crazy going in circles is is when you make the choice, you know, a lot of us think that that when you make a choice, it's just like the moment that you turn left instead of right, or it's the moment that you hand over your credit card and boom, my choice is done. And I've finished the process. I've made a decision. But the truth is, is that's only like one third of the process, but that's the beginning. That's the, that's the first thing that you do is you make the physical choice. The next thing that you have to do that's so critical, that makes all the difference in terms of whether or not you end up in that cycle is, are you going to burn all your bridges? And the third thing is, are you going to give up all of your alternatives? So that means is is when you're making a choice, you're going to go out and you're going to buy a pair of pants. Do you take them home and do you leave the tags on in case you're going to return them? And if you do that, well, you haven't burned your bridges, right? That that tags, the tags allows you to go back on your choice. So you haven't emotionally committed to your choice, which is the emotions have to commit in order to harness that energy. Same thing is 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 if you're making a choice and um, maybe you've sort of you're going to stop at three other stores to see if there's another pair of pants that you like better. Well, you haven't fully committed to your choice. Same thing, right? Is is it really is about like when you make the choice? You not just it's not just the moment you do it. It's how committed are you? Have you burned all those bridges? Have you given up all of your alternatives? So if you're if you're a person who's out there in the world, um, uh, say you you're trying to uh, you're in a job and you're looking at the job listings every day, then then you're not really committed to your job. You know, if you're constantly searching for something else, searching for something better. All that energy that you're putting out, searching for other things, is pulling away from your commitment to the thing that you're in right now. And that makes it really, really hard for you to harness your creative energy. And that's the energy you need to make it successful, to make it succeed. 
That's amazing. It's amazing. So what's your best advice? Like you've given a lot of advice, but if people could take away just one thing from today's show, what would you want moms to to do or know? Gosh, you know, I would say that um, to be cognizant of how you are making choices, to be aware that your process is important, to be a lot gentler with yourself about this idea of being perfect, of making the right choice, of understanding that there isn't one right choice. And what makes a choice right is when it's right for you, when you feel good about it. So so it's the process of going with the thing that you think is right and then really committing to it, putting yourself behind it and, and doing that by, like I said, limiting the number of choices and really fully committing, investing yourself emotionally, burning those bridges, giving up your alternatives, allowing yourself to use your creative energy to help yourself to make things easier for yourself. But to be, yeah, generally be easier on yourself. I know it's hard. <laughs> I know we're so hard on ourselves. Like when I think about the things I said to myself this morning, I would never say them to you as my friend, like ever. Yeah. So why am I beating myself up? You know, we just look in the mirror, everything from crow's feet to undone roots to, you know, sunburn, you know, now I'm going to get skin cancer. Like, good job. You didn't put your sunscreen on. Like, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll spray my kids top to bottom, but heaven forbid I should put it on my own face. I mean, you know, we are so cruel to each other in our, or to ourselves. Like our brain is cruel to our bodies. Our mind yeah. is cruel to our soul. Yes. And you know something I've started doing, which sounds weird, but feels fantastic, is that at the end of a hard day, when I've done something that I was afraid to do or was hard to do, where I really had to draw on my internal resources, where I was really frustrated and I, I stuck to it and I got through it or whatever, even if it was just a crazy day, I actually will sometimes kind of sit quietly by myself or I'll just look myself in the mirror and I thank myself and say, thank you. <laughs> thank you for being there for me today. Thank you for doing the hard thing. Thank you for, for, you know, doing what I thought was in the moment, a really thing, a thing that was hard to do. And it's weird how thanking yourself can feel so great. It's like, it's sort of like acknowledging yourself for, for doing the things that we, we so much of the time we berate ourselves all the time. And we can feel how bad that feels, right? But think about how good it would feel to thank yourself. All right. Well, thank you, Ann Tucker, undoubtedlyawesome.com. We'll be back again next week with another episode of Military Mom Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in to Military Mom Talk Radio. Want more information? Check us out at militarymomtalkradio.com or find us on iTunes for more than 200 free episodes. Drop us an email or find us on Facebook. We are looking forward to another great discussion. We hope you'll join us on Military Mom 